think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to England Cricket on 99.94, the home of cricket audio. I am Daniel Norcross, general broadcaster, wibbler for the BBC, BT, occasional writer, and whatnot, and of course, co-host of the Zero Ducks Given podcast. And my co-host is none other than the mighty, as usual, Rory Dollard, the cricket correspondent of the Press Association, the puff pastry hangman of this podcast. Uh, we are here. <laughs> Sorry about that. We are your home for England cricket content, and we'll be right here several times every week discussing England. You can find us in your favourite podcast apps on YouTube or in our 99.94 app. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today, we are talking about, well, the breaking news that Joss Butler is out of the 100. What will that mean for his involvement in the T20 World Cup? We'll chew the cud over that and likely possible replacements for him. We'll be looking at the bowling options that England have in that uh, T20 and who is coming to the fore in the 100. The likes of George Garton, perhaps Jordan Thompson will run the rule over a couple of likely suspects. And finally, we shall ask a question that almost nobody seems to be asking, which is, who is England Test Vice Captain? I mean, that sounds a bit abstruse, but, you know, I'd like to know. Uh, Rory, that's for that's for later. Let's get straight in on the Joss Butler news. Now, I and you overheard him on commentary today in the 100 match. Uh, he's joined the Sky team saying that uh, he's got a bit of a calf niggle. He's out of the rest of the 100. But mind you, I say that, that's only a week and a half until the competition ends, preposterously. But England do travel to Pakistan uh, on a roundabout, I suppose, 13th, 14th of September for a series of seven matches that begins on the 20th, ends on the 2nd of October. And when he was asked about that, he said, well, he wasn't sure if he'd be able to play all the games. Now, whether that means he's not going to be fit by the 20th of September or they'll manage his workload during that, one way or the other, it means that England, having lost EOI and Morgan, the notorious Irish Val thief, as captain when he retired, uh, what, what, who's going to replace Joss Butler? Uh, and crucially, well, what will that, that mean for rejigging the order? Well, you, you do wonder, don't you, if uh, this is Joss has just noticed quite how much fun Owen Morgan appears to be having since he retired and started commentating for Sky. He appears to have realised uh, what we found out a few years ago, Dan, which is not getting out there and running yourself into the ground is quite a nice way to experience cricket, actually. Um, so Joss has, Joss has taken that route quite early. And actually, by saying he may not be available to play all the games in Pakistan, that's a huge Morgan playbook, isn't it? He 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 yeah. used to step out of games and series for the betterment of the team, to give people opportunities, just to read a book sometimes. Uh, so for for, for Joss to, to step out early, he's really he's really settling into the gig quite nicely. But but more seriously, it is the last it is the last batch of matches before the T Twenty World Cup, and and Joss has only got a small body of work underneath his belt as the captain, and it didn't all go that well. So it, it is it's not ideal, but I suppose England might be, or the ECB, 
might be congratulating themselves on agreeing to a ridiculous seven-match series against Pakistan <laughs> because that is very much too long. It's past breaking point and stretching point of anyone's sort of ability to stay focused on a 2020 series. But it means that if Joss misses a couple of games, he's got four or five left to to do. So doesn't strike me as too dramatic, but it does raise questions like who actually, because Joss was the the right-hand man to Morgan very clearly, very, very certainly for a while. And I suppose the only other real candidate for the job when he got it was, was Moin Ali. And he would probably, it being Pakistan as well, it would be quite nice really if he was to lead uh, England out as a, as a player of Pakistani heritage in that series. And, uh, and Chris Jordan is, is, he's that leader of the attack and, and he is, despite not playing 50 over cricket for England for, for quite some time, he does have quite a big say and quite a big voice in that T20 team. So that's who you're looking at. That's who uh, Joss appears to lean on for advice and, and for, for musings. But, you know, with, with time short at hand, I think, I think England would like their new captain to be on the pitch as often as possible. Well, Moeen Ali and Chris Jordan have both captained uh, franchises. Well, 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 they're not franchises, are they? Teams in the 100 uh, so they've got a bit of experience there and they've got a huge amount of experience playing for England. But Moeen Ali wasn't even in England's T20 side for quite a while, what, just over a year ago, before he made a dramatic reappearance on the Australian pitches. Are England likely to go in with two spinners with Adil Rashid Moeen Ali? Not quite sure. They will definitely need someone like Chris Jordan. So I can possibly see Chris Jordan more likely taking that over in Australia. But I guess it would make sense in Pakistan for it to be Moeen Ali. Um, there's, a, there's a truth to that. I wonder as well, Dan, if uh, if Owen Morgan's retirement from that middle order actually plays into Moeen's hand as a batter. Yeah. He, 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 is, he is an option in this team in a way that Liam Livingston is, which is that he's in there to bat, but his overs can come in handy and be useful. So he, he is a bit of a, a live wire six hitter in the way that, that Morgan, Morgan sort of was happy to to fail if necessary uh, in the pursuit of quick runs, and and I wonder if actually he doesn't need to justify his spot as a second spinner in Australia to to land the spot in the middle order. But if CJ was to to captain England in a in a series like that, it would be lovely. He's a he's quite a low key guy, really, um, in in the England story. But he's he's turns up all the time. He's a, a committed player, really talented in in loads of ways, and probably hasn't hasn't quite had the international career that he may have deserved by being boxed in as a one format player. So I don't think you get too many complaints uh, if either of those guys got a, a little promotion. But of course, it makes a disruption to the side generally in terms of batting if Josh Butler's not there, and they had a very settled Butler Roy partnership at the top of the order. Now that that's now very unsettled because there may be no Butler. And there may be, well, I'm not sure if there will be no Roy, but there may be a very out-of-form Roy. And there are people putting up their hands, who I think we may have discussed before, the likes of Will Smead, Will Jacks. Will is an extremely popular name for uh, opening batters at the moment. Uh, will it be either of the Wills? Where there's a Will, there's a way. <laughs> I, knew, I knew we'd find a pun somewhere, Wordsmith. Uh, so <laughs> what happens here? Because Johnny Bairstow could go up the top. He's, of course, done that in the IPL a fair amount. So it could yet be Bairstow and Roy. Then you're slotting someone else into the middle order. And there is just this 
hankering, desperate urge among, I think, England fans. But you also get that sense amongst the selectors to get Harry Brook into the side somehow. Now, the, the last time we spoke, we were talking about how Harry Brook would get into a test side. And that was, we were suggesting, it's all via the gloves. If you uh, rest folks or have folks stand down for the last couple of test matches here in England, then Bears take, take the gloves and in slots Brook into the middle order. In, in extremis, he could even open in place of Crawley. That's for the test team. Does he slot in to the middle order in T20? Is he the next cab off the rank? And if so, is that is that feasible with so little international T20 cricket behind him? Or is the Pakistan series then the option to blood him? It's a time to look and, and really, as I say, with seven matches, they shouldn't leave themselves uh, short of any information. They shouldn't be going in to the World Cup not knowing about their combinations because that does allow you to look. It feels like the sort of de facto decision that they make is Phil Salt comes up because he's actually been the guy who's been around the squad for a little bit of time. He has taken some of his opportunities in a way that perhaps Tom Banton, when he was, Tom Banton had a chance to to sort of establish himself as next man in and he didn't quite do it. Phil Salt has made a slightly better go of it. So he, Salt seems to be the person who is in a position who can do that. Uh, he could keep wicket if needed be. Um, but th- it does feel like this team with with Owen Morgan going and, and Matthew Mott coming in as, as coach that it might be time for fresh blood. And, and the window is short to look at someone like Will Smead. Uh, but you feel that the trajectory is moving in his direction and that, like we said with Will Jacks, you feel that there's an England cap with his name on it. And it's it's just a question of when they pull the trigger on that. It might be too close. Well, the 100 is supposed to be a tournament where people can knock down the door. And looking at it, there haven't been too many high-profile people. Liam Livingston, certainly last year, came through that tournament and and made a name for himself. But for some reason, it's just not been quite happening. And you mentioned Tom Banton. Tom Banton was dropped yesterday by the Welsh Fire, a side that are doing so badly. They've lost five out of five. And he's their marquee £125,000 signing. And he... Can't even get out on the park. So I think one thing we can be certain of is that he's not going to be making a late play for England selection. Anyway, we shall see. 99.94 is more than just this podcast. Jared Kimber has Red Inca. That focuses on deep cricket topics from the global game. There's also Double Century, a look at the history of the game. We also have podcasts on other teams. Go over and listen to the West Indies on 99.94 podcast for cricket's best Caribbean coverage. Listen to India on 99.94 for considered analysis from two professionals. England on 99.94 has the north and south of the game covered. South Africa on 99.94 is looking at the radically changing nature of cricket in the Rainbow Nation. You can find them all in your podcast apps on YouTube or via the 99.94 app. Now, we've covered the batting. I say covered it. I think what we've established is that we're not quite sure, but there are at least a couple of slots available and The last few games of the 100 may illuminate us further, but England have also got bowling issues. Um, Lacking the raw pace that has been a problem in Test cricket, still no sign of Jofra Archer, still no sign of Mark Wood. So I'm imagining England are going to have to prepare for a T20 World Cup with the bowling attack that they've currently got. And Chris Jordan, we've already discussed, he's a nailed-on certainty. Timal Mills might come back into the equation, but... He's been injured. Uh, he picked up a couple of injuries in the 100, so he's an uncertainty. 
They do love left arm pace. Reese Topley is not playing any further part in the 100, which is a little bit of a surprise, whether that's rest or a little injury problem. We don't know. David Willey's going to feature. Sam Curran, you might think, features. But I saw a left-armer yesterday at uh, Cardiff at the Sapphire Gardens who reduced the Welsh fire to one for three in seven balls, which I don't know if you saw this stat, Rory, but in the history of T20 cricket professional leagues around the world, and uh, we're counting the 100 as T20 league for this purposes, no one has made a worse start than Welsh fires one for three off oh. seven balls. All of them delivered by George Garden, and he got the ball to swing prodigiously. Now, he's had some troubles getting back to fitness, hasn't he? I know you've spoken to him. Yeah, he's he's a guy who's actually had other injury problems earlier in his career. When he when he came out, he was... I first saw him uh, picked out of nowhere, really, for the Lions um, against the South African touring team, and he was rapid. Uh, looked like he could be someone who was really quick. And gave Hashim Amla the hurry up at Worcester and I thought he's one he's one to watch we'll, we'll keep a little eye on him bald the odd beamer but these things do happen uh, but but no what happened uh, more recently is he has been suffering with long Covid and not too many sort of pro athletes have talked in great depth about this uh, and not too many probably have, have been affected quite as badly but he caught Covid for the second time I think it was out in the Caribbean when he was with England and he never quite got back to where he was. He he told me that his heart rate, his resting heart rate, just wouldn't settle. It was, he said, walking down the stairs to get a cup of coffee left him roughly where he would expect to be after a workout session. He was Oof. he was unable to to come to train properly because the long COVID was 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 leaving him fatigued. He had tests. He said there was a little scarring on his heart and lungs, which apparently is both normal and fine. Doesn't, doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't sound good. You've got a little scarring on your heart. Not what you want. I've, you know, a few emotional scars we can deal with, can't we? But yeah. um, maybe that's what it was. But no, he, he said that there was nothing ultimately mechanically wrong with him. And electronically, he had, he had a lot of tests. He said he saw all kinds of practitioners just because he started to worry that because so little's known about COVID, he was worried that he wouldn't quite get on top of it, and and, and it was extending into into the season. Thankfully, he, he spoke to the right people. He found a good a good method, and he and he's back. And when I asked him at the start of the hundred, I said to him because he was in England's plans. He was in their one day squad last year. COVID wrecked that as well when they had to sort of send a whole squad home, uh, and then he made his debut in uh, Barbados in the new year. So he, he's on the radar. He's on that depth chart. But he said, I had, I had big hopes for this summer, but that isn't the hand I've been dealt. Well, I just wonder if, as you mentioned, I wonder if there's a bit of bad luck doing the rounds and it, and the table might swing back to him because he has done a little bit of franchise cricket around the world. He's actually done okay with the bat as well. He, he, he and, and in 2020 cricket, we know that that does advance your cause if you can give it a tap. And, and he's, he has done that in, in some overseas leagues. And yeah, strong end to the to the hundred. He did win it actually last year, didn't he? He was he got David Beddingham for Duck in the final of the hundred. So Garten's one to watch, an interesting one, perhaps. Yeah, I I liked his pace. It was up a little bit. I know that he talked a little about how when he first came back, how disappointed he was with his returns, and he was encouraged not to be too harsh on himself. 
And indeed, the first 40 balls he bowled in the 100, I think, went for 90, just over 90 runs uh, for one wicket as well. Well, the next 10, he took three for one. Yeah. It was absolutely, it was a startling performance yesterday. And it was it was really late swing. It's just exactly what England fans would want to see. There's a sort of touch of the Mitchell Starks to him. Obviously, not quite there yet. But if he gets quicker and if he improves, then he could definitely be a bolter more than a bolter for the for the T20 World Cup. You mentioned Jordan Thompson there, Yorkshire's, Yorkshire's Jordan Thompson. He's one, it feels early for him. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't expect him to to break in at just at this point, but he is, I think, as we speak, and these things obviously are changing on a daily basis, but he, as we speak, he's joint top wicket taker in the in the men's 100. Uh, he's shows, he, he's got a willingness and, a, and an eagerness to bowl at the top and at the end. He, he likes to have himself in those touchy squeaky moments and he, he does he does appear to have i don't know a bit of a little bit of devil about him and mm. and i wonder if he's something who certainly has the ticker for it and i wonder if he's someone who would benefit from being around uh, an england group and some bowling coaches who could see what else they could extract from him because he's an interesting one i think he, he he's uh, he's doing a lot right uh, I'm going to give you one last name before we move on to our, our final segment of the day. Uh, it's another left armour, and it's also somebody who bowls at unbelievable pace by comparison with what England have both in the red ball and white ball arenas at the moment. Luke Wood. Now, I'm slightly surprised at how he's gone kind of under the radar for so long. You know, England went to David Payne a long time before they went looking at Luke Wood, and you see him in the 100. He's regularly hitting 90 miles an hour and beyond. And that's something that England don't have much of. Chris Jordan, since he had his surgery, mm. actually, to, to change the, he had a, he had a nerve that was bothering him in his right shoulder, his pace has gone up noticeably by five or six miles an hour. And he, he bowls fewer slower balls and now uses a quicker one more. But Luke Wood's a guy that, in the absence of any pace with the red ball and without much pace with the white ball, I'm surprised he's not been brought in. Is it? Is, I suppose he's not, he's not the tallest and he does have a slightly wonky moustache, but I mean that shouldn't hold him back. Well, arguable, uh, but he he did he did uh, he did go to Holland, didn't he? I think he was in the the, the Netherlands squad, Luke Wood. So again, he's not. It's not as though they've they've lost his uh, phone number. They know they know where he is. Uh, I wonder if they do look for that pace option, though. It does seem to me that Richard Gleeson, if he's fit, and he's not. I know he's had a couple of concerns or, or niggles. He hasn't played uh, in the hundred, but. If they want that little burst of pace, seems like Gleeson is is in front there. And uh, he might not have a, a huge, long England career ahead of him because he's come to everything quite late. But I think they quite like him. And and in the absence of, of some of those more established, quicker options, feels like Gleeson might be the sort of the wild card. Right. We'll move on. Love cricket and want to hear more? Well, head over to the 99.94 app. You can hear all our podcasts and also our commentaries. We're the home of Cricket Audio Online, where we're adding new shows and covering series. And the best way to follow us is via our app or on social media at 99.94 DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. So the last thing I want us to discuss is what, what who's, who's England's vice-captain? As a, I mean, there was a time in days gone by when vice captains were really very important. They went on long tours. I mean, even you know, you're going on a boat, you're spending three months trying to get to Australia. The vice captain was part of the kind of management group, wasn't he? Along with the 
with the, the tour manager and the captain. They formed a sort of impromptu selection committee almost. But there's a complete absence of certainty over who is England's vice-captain. And you picked up a bit on this when you spoke to Joe Root earlier today, did you not? Yeah, well, it's uh, you, you did say in your intro to the pod today uh, that it's the question nobody's asking. It's literally the question that I did ask. So <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I wondered, looking at, the, looking at the situation and the players, if Joe Root would be willing to do that thing where you know you, you free you free yourself of all that responsibility and then somebody comes knocking and says actually you're the guy uh, and he shot it down he, he said that it would be a backward step for England to consider him as a captain after five and a half years and 60 odd tests in charge and if you look at the the list if you put your, li- your mind to it it's not obvious Jordan no. did say that there is a guy who knows did say there's a guy who knows that it's their job to do but England have made a point of not what? quite publicising that. I mean, this is secrecy like around nuclear codes, isn't it? There's the person who is vice-captain knows he's yeah. vice-captain, he's but no one else football. knows. And he's just, I mean, do the rest of the players know? Or, or could anybody just say, actually, it was me. I've maybe, been vice-captain all along. Maybe <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a Spartacus thing, and they all, they all stand up and they've all been told they're going to be vice-captain. Maybe that's what... They, <laughs> I mean, that's what they mean. But no, it's good to throw a few names around, isn't it, though? Because I would have said six months ago, Zach Crawley, and this might, and I don't want to make this my thing where I just go and say nice things about Zach Crawley all the time. You do do that, though. Yeah. I do do that a lot, yeah. Um, I think he probably was quite close to being asked if that would be something he'd be interested in because it was a looking at the next up-and-coming generation. He's got all, he fits all the right bills and all the right boxes he just lacks the runs, so that seems implausible now. His opening partner, Lees, has got a bit of captaincy experience, but no longevity in that spot that he could be guaranteed for. Ben Fawkes, wicketkeeper, mm, talked about him. But would it be yeah. Stuart Broad? I mean, would it be Stuart Broad or Johnny Bairstow? They actually, in the, in the if you remove Joe Root's experience from the list, if Ben Stokes was to knacker himself in the midst of a 15-over spell... At Dean Elgar, very plausible. Very plausible. Stuart Broad or, or Johnny Bairstow, and both in their own way would be highly, highly enjoyable. I don't doubt. Well, they would be. They would be absolutely fascinating, wouldn't they? But I, I, if it's Stuart Broad, then that doesn't give them the flexibility to rotate. I, I guess, unless they say to themselves, "Well, this is a, a game that Stuart Broad has to play because we are rotating." If you like, in a sense, Stokes out of the side with his injury. I suppose that's feasible. No one ever suggests it should be Jimmy Anderson. I mean, I, I would, I would be fascinated to know what Jimmy Anderson captaincy would consist of. Sort of slightly aggressive grumbling. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't think they would leave it long before they took the new ball. I, no, and I think, and I think he might take it himself. He might have a little look, mightn't he? Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, I think, I think there's got to be a chance we see England being led by somebody else in yeah, this definitely. South Africa series, just for a, an hour or something, because. Ben Stokes' workload is quite a lot and his body is shouting back at him uh, a wee bit. But it, but it is a, it's a bit of a gap because Ben Stokes knows all too well how important a really good vice-captain is because he did it for three years or something. And actually, it doesn't quite track that he doesn't see the need to, to have a, a public vice-captain because he lobbied fairly hard to get it back. When he got when he came back yeah. post Bristol and Josh Butler was Joe Root's vice captain, 
Ben Stokes made it quite clear that he saw that as his job and he wanted to do it and he wanted to be known to be doing it. So the fact that he's taken over and hasn't yet sort of filled the position might say more about the people who who should be solid, rock solid in that team and maybe aren't. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think if I was going to plump for anyone, it usually goes to batters, doesn't it? So I think there's every chance it's going to be Johnny Bairstow. Well, that's where we're going to wrap up today. Uh, We will be back at some point during the test match, I fancy. Rory and I are both going to be at Old Trafford for the game, so we'll be able to better do it in person. I don't quite know how that's going to work. Will we be on the same screen? Or will we just force ourselves to be in different rooms anyway? I I don't know. We will cross that logistical bridge when we come to it. Anyway, thank you for listening to England Cricket on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can download the 99.94 app from wherever you get your apps. And you can follow us personally on Twitter or Instagram on at Norcross Cricket, in my case, and at the RVD, T-H-E-R-V-D. That's Rory's... I'll tell you about that in another episode one time where that comes from. Yeah, please do, because it's extremely confusing. (laughs) Uh, We'll put links up for everything we do there on this podcast and beyond. Also, follow our network at 99.94 DM on social media. Remember, if you love cricket, then we are the home of cricket audio. Follow the podcasts and commentary from the bat and ball world. Thank you for joining Cricket's Conversation 99.94. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to England on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can download the 99.94 app from where you get your apps. And you can follow us personally on Twitter at Norcross Cricket and at the RVD, which is Rory's Twitter and Instagram. That's T-H-E-R-V-D. Of course, Rory was going to be difficult. We'll put links up for everything we do there. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of cricket audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star, a new series from Crowd Network.